Up until I was 21, my home had always been in Kent. During that time, we'd moved around the county and I'd even left briefly whilst I was studying at university. But when I said I was going home for the holidays, that always meant I was going to Kent. It never occurred to me in all those 21 years as anything special about Kent. I couldn't point out anything about me that was different because of where I'd come from, you know. I don't have an accent or special words for anything. So I thought it was just like every other coastal kind of southern county. Then my parents moved two counties over to West Sussex to what I thought would be a cardboard cutout of my home county. But something about this place feels different. Now, a whole host of family and friends have pointed out to me this doesn't really make sense. Like me, they can't see any difference between the two counties. They don't really understand why I keep whining about this. So, this episode is my quest for evidence. Justification for my feelings. Proof that the border around Kent means something more. I'm Catherine Jones, and on this episode of Borderscapes, County Identity. First up, I needed some validation. I don't know anyone that has had the exact same experience as me. Friends have gone to university or moved out, but no one's parents had moved. When they went home for Christmas, they were all still returning to Kent. So, instead, I contacted my childhood friends to see if at the very least they could think of anything that defined Kent from the rest of the South. And, I guess reassuringly for me, they were just as stuck as I was. Can you think of anything like any kind of Kentish identity? Do you do you think there is a Kentish identity? Um. <laughs> okay, so that was their initial reaction, at least. They could come up with a couple of things after this that created kind of a Kentish experience. You know, they said the countryside, the seaside, Anna suggested wine. Um, but these things didn't really cut it for me because they also exist in Sussex. What they were really, really, really good at, however, was coming up with theories as to why we seem to lack a Kentish identity. Well, I think I I would probably argue that it it wouldn't be surprising to find people have similar views to us towards sort of like being proud of um, the county they come from, something for like the home counties. So the counties surrounding London, you have a real mix of people who are living in the county because they're commuting. So they're sort of half part of London, half part of the county themselves, where you feel very separated from the heart of the UK once you leave um, those those areas. So I think the further away you get from um, the capital city, the more um, sort of proud people are of where, they, where they're from. So as soon as you go down to Cornwall, you go up north or, you know, closer to Wales, I think becomes stronger that's what i think that's what i'd argue i'm not sure whether that's because you get more passing people from in the counties closer to london and it being in kent you're closer to france and things like this but yeah i'm not really sure why but okay so i agree with anna about this but it doesn't really help me because again west sussex is exactly the same it's filled with commuter towns and passing people um i did realize something from my conversation with anna and lucy Sometimes it wasn't so much a lack of county identity, but a disappointment with the county. Just listen to us talk about politics in Kent. Yeah, I was talking to someone um, who's doing actually another podcast with, and um, she was from Thanet, specifically South Thanet. And um, I sort of mentioned that I was doing this one with her and we were talking about it. And she said, like, the only thing, like, that, 
there is in her town that's distinct about it from where she is is that it's um the place where Nigel Farage like ran from it was like the UKIP like center of the the of England and um she's like yeah I struggle to feel any kind of pride in that um (laughs) it's true actually that's another thing is you get a lot of um Brexiteers here (laughs) because we're so close to the ports or like we are the ports (laughs) so there's definitely I'd say more of a sense of people wanting to leave the EU here than there is anywhere else. That's another sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. Especially um, where like Lim, around Lim, Mm. where very tangibly, like they could see people arriving on boats on the beaches near them, that kind of thing. Mm. There was definitely like that whole... Brexit and the the refugee crisis, I think, was really magnified um, because it was right there. Um, Yeah. Mm. And now um, in Ashford, they're building this big, like, lorry port or um, checkpoint thing. Um, So that's made it even worse. (laughs) Yeah. Big up, Kent. I don't think we could sound less proud of Kent here. I don't know. Is that our county identity? That we're vaguely disappointed by it? Or that all of us are Brexiteers? I don't think I really want either of those things. Anna did go on to point out that this issue goes beyond just Conservatives versus Labour or Leave versus Remain. Our MP, uh, sorry, my ex-MP has a particularly colourful past. Yeah, I, I guess we don't really have, like, we have, uh, ours is just Damien, isn't it? Is it Damien still? I'm talking about Damien Green here, the MP for the area that we all grew up in. I was going to say, yeah, I think that he represents our county and he doesn't, I mean, he left his position at number 10 quite disgracefully. So um, for someone to resemble or present your county, it's not particularly like... That's not a lot of pride behind it. It's more shame <laughs> um, than anything. So I think I, I think if we had a MP who was really fighting for the county's cause or was doing something which, you know, was innovative and, you know, something new and really had people's backing, then I think you do create a stronger sort of community for the, for the, for the county. Um, and we don't have that at all, I don't think. I don't know why we're being so coy here, but Damien Green was kicked out of Theresa May's cabinet following a sexual harassment claim against him and the discovery that he was watching porn on his work computer. So I think Anna has a good point. How were we meant to feel proud of this guy or even represented by him? I, I don't think it's a wonder that we sound so disappointed. The thing is, this should all be a plus side of West Sussex. In comparison to Kent, it is radical here. While Kent was voting in UKIP, Sussex was voting in the Greens, so I should feel more at home here, if anything. But it hasn't worked out like that, and I don't think the issue with West Sussex is the lack of sexual misconduct by my MP. Something else is going on. Talking to Anna and Lucy got me no closer to finding a Kentish identity, so I decided to change tactic and go on a little holiday. Perhaps the holiday destination in the country this year, home to both King Arthur and Poldark. 
the place that has it all. Sea, sand and pasties. That's right, we're heading to Cornwall. In my mind, Cornwall is somewhere with a particularly strong county identity. One of the other producers for Border Escape said you can always tell when people are from Cornwall because they all seem to have bumper stickers on the back of their cars saying so. Now, I'm not sure that this is true, but I do think that they seem like a particularly proud bunch. My thinking was that if I could figure out where the Cornish got all their pride from, I could find that same thing for Kent. So I spoke to Alex, who was born and bred in Cornwall, to see if he had any answers. He certainly seemed to prove my assumption about Cornwall and county identity. Um, I think I quite strongly will identify as Cornish. Um, I put it on the census recently. Uh, I think it gave you the choice between sort of English, Scottish and stuff. I wouldn't identify as English. I'd identify as Cornish ahead of being English. Um, but I'd definitely say that it's when, when I sort of think about why I'd say that, I'm not really sure. I don't really have a reason for it. Um, but it's just sort of the way that I feel. Um, Obviously, I couldn't just leave it at, I don't know where it comes from. I'm a woman on a mission here. So I pressed him on it. What is different about Cornwall? I identify more with coming from Cornwall. And I would see um, there's certainly differences, I think, in um, almost how people see the world. Maybe not necessarily Cornwall, but be it sort of coming from the southwest where things in life are sort of a bit slower. Um, I think the best example is driving. I feel like... If you drive in London or sort of in the southeast, people are so much more aggressive in pulling up and things like that. Um, I think my dad, we, we, we go and visit my uncle and aunt who live in Ickenham in London, and there's a road you have to sort of pull out on a busy road when you leave their road. Um, and my dad will sort of wait there for like five minutes trying to pull out onto this road because he's just sort of happy to chill and let, let people carry on. Um, we still that people just sort of skirt straight into any small gap. So, yeah, I guess, I guess so, yeah. Okay, this also wasn't good enough. I think Londoners drive like maniacs as well. So there has to be something more. So I asked him again, what is different about Cornwall to Kent? Why does he have an identity where I don't? Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, I, I've, I study history um, and I've always been interested in history. And I remember back in primary school, um, and obviously I'm not that far into Cornwall, sort of just on the border, we learned about sort of Cornish history and um, sort of like where the flag originates from. So obviously we've got a flag, it's on the wall behind me. I don't think you can see it, obviously, it's not on camera. But um, So obviously the, the, the flag where that originates from, sort of the, the tin glinting out of the, the dark mines. Um, and I think, I guess from there, you just sort of, are Cornish and then you things like pasties and stuff like that like classically Cornish things you just sort of grow up with and identify with uh, and it sounds like little things but I guess in Kent you wouldn't have that sort of thing you don't really I just sort of see Kent is quite a standard area if that makes sense um, now I love this I've never known anyone to hang a county flag on their wall but it's also a revelation he learned about his county in the school. And yeah, he explained that they sang Cornish carols one year. They learned about Cornwall's Celtic history. And I don't even think I was shown a map of Kent in school. But this seemed like the answer to my dilemma. I just needed to find a bit of Kentish history that separated it from other counties. And bam, that would be it. Identity sorted, right? So... I contacted a Kentish history expert to give me the lowdown on my county's past, and I found Dr. James Lloyd. 
I have to apologise for the slight echo and general terrible audio quality of this section. I was having to use some unconventional recording techniques to get this interview. Um, James is the proud owner of what I can only guess is a steam-powered laptop that could not run CleanFeed, Zoom or any of the other normal software. So I just had to record the audio of our landline conversation from my laptop. But I think it was worth it because James is great. He said things like, if you're familiar with Shakespeare, and used words like paraphernalia and ostentatious casually. He also had quite the Kentish identity. My parents are foreigners. Um, my mother's from Salisbury and my dad is from Eastport. But uh, for as long as I can remember, I've been aware of belonging to a thing called Kent. Certainly when I was very little, uh, if, uh, if we left the front door open. Uh, Dad would shout, do you think we're trying to keep the whole of Kent warm? <laughs> um, slam it shut. And I thought, hmm, Kent, I'm in a thing called Kent. I wonder what that is. And I think that last thing he says is the reason why I don't have a Kentish identity. I had just never really wondered about it before. It has nothing to do with Ken itself. As we're about to hear from James, Ken has a whole load of weird legends and historical quirks. It's just that I've never bothered to learn about them. Or I hadn't bothered to learn about them until this podcast, until this interview with James, actually. The end of our conversation became something between a history seminar and a bedtime story. He knew so much about English history and Kent and told me a bunch of legends and stories, all with a very hearty dose of historical accuracy. I'll just share the best ones with you now, but seriously, there were loads. My favourite was about the long tales, and I'll let James take the stage on this one. Long Um... The uh, long tail is, or rather used to be, a nickname for people from Kent. Um, just as a Yorkshireman might be called a tyke, or a Welshman might be called a taffy, or an Irishman a paddy, a Kentishman was a long tail. And there are... Uh, this This would take about an hour to explain fully, but the, the really short, simple explanation is that uh, there is a legend that Thomas Beckett was riding into Rochester when some uh, local youths cut off the tail of his horse and, uh, and supposedly he laid a curse so that everyone born in Kent grew a tail. Um, this wasn't true of me. I don't know about you. Um, but uh, but this, uh, this developed into uh, this but probably always a joke rather than something people took seriously. But this this birthed the nickname Longtails for people from Kent, which was still quite common into the 19th century. It only died out relatively recently. I also learned the story behind the motto of Kent, which I didn't know existed until this interview, let alone that it had an origin story. Invicta means unconquered. Mm-hmm. Invicta would be a more correct classical pronunciation, but everybody says Invicta. It means unconquered. Um, the story goes that after the Battle of Hastings, uh, William had himself crowned, but he hadn't captured Dover Castle yet. So he started, he marched from Westminster towards Dover, and his road took him through Swanscombe uh, near Dartford. Um, meanwhile, uh, the men of Kent assembled under the leadership of Archbishop Stigand and Ethelzea, who was abbot of St. Augustine's Abbey in Canterbury. And they said, the rest of our countrymen have been enslaved by the Normans. We must, uh, we must resist them and find some way of preserving our liberty. So they 
waylaid William on his route to Dover by disguising themselves and, if you're familiar with Shakespeare, you will instantly recognise this motif by cutting down the branches of trees and carrying them in front of them. So at first, William thought there was this moving wood surrounding him. Mm -hmm. But then they threw down their branches mm. and bore their weapons and they, uh, and they said to William, we will accept you as our king on condition that you allow Kent to continue to live under the law as it was under Edward the Confessor and not introduce any new laws. And uh, William said, and if I refuse? And they replied, war, and that most deadly. As James is about to explain, this story isn't just a legend. War, the story is complete nonsense. Kentish men never dressed up as trees and surprised the king. But for some reason, Kent did have separate laws from the rest of England. In Kent, inheritance would be shared equally between all the sons in the family, instead of just being given to the oldest son. And in every other county in England, if you're executed, your property went to the crown. In Kent, your family kept it. Differences like this existed right up until 1926. So yeah. Take that, Cornwall. So, we've established that there's plenty of Kentish stuff for me to choose from. There are legends and stories, an actual historical fact that I can begin to bore people in pubs with. But, none of this makes me feel better about leaving. I think it's because I don't really miss Kent. I don't miss the geography, the place on the map. I don't miss living in the middle of nowhere. I miss what Kent meant. Kent was childhood and familiarity and security. Kent was my friends and school and fun. Kent was a house full of my siblings. And when I think about it, those things have all been missing from the past year. Anna, Lucy and I have been virtual friends since last summer. My whole life, along with everyone else's, has been thrown up in the air. And I've had to finally start growing up. I have not been able to see my siblings. In fact, we've not all been together since 2019. So, I guess this wasn't a county identity crisis, just a I miss normality crisis. I'm Catherine Jones, and you've been listening to English County Identities, a part of the podcast Borderscapes, produced with the support of the School of Media, Arts and Humanities and the Office of Technology Enhanced Learning at the University of Sussex. Martin Spinelli and Lee Gooding were our executive producers. We had technical help from Matthew Taylor. Our theme music was composed by Mona Youssef, and our graphic design was by M.S. Quint Design. Additional episode credits and info are available at borderscapes.org. And for socials, we are at borderscapespod. Thanks for listening. <laughs>